Blog hey Talk Radio. Hey there, it's time for Startup Office Hours with me, Scott Fox. It's a live podcast and live stream video chat all across the Internet. We're here to see you and help you and talk to you as much as we can. And we're going to go live here on YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So here we go. We're about to get started. Looking forward to seeing you and listening to these live questions as we get started. Let's see here. All right, there we go. Hey, everybody, it's Scott Fox. I'm here for Mastermind Startup Office Hours. Today we're going to talk about startup fundraising, and we're happy to see you and join you, have you join us from all over the world. We're live on YouTube, uh, live streaming on LinkedIn, live streaming on a couple different Facebook pages, and on Blog Talk Radio as well. So if I can help you with your startup fundraising questions, well, that's why we're here. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm a serial Internet entrepreneur. I've been busy uh, building companies, advising companies, investing in companies ever since the first dot-com boom. And um, basically, I spend most of my time these days investing in companies and advising early-stage entrepreneurs, trying to help you, well, figure out how to get to the next level. Uh, None of this is as easy as the media pretends, and uh, there's a constant stream of uh, misinformation on the Internet, uh, in all topics, I guess, really, uh, but especially around how easy it is to raise money. It's not easy. It's never easy. It's a challenge, and uh, it can be made easier with some helpful mentorship, guidance, um, and uh, talking to people who have done it before or who are even doing it right now. And that's what these uh, office hours are about, as well as the monthly Mastermind Startup Accelerator workshops that I run. Um, These happen uh, once a month, uh, um, and we do those in the evening specific time. And those are a more interactive group situation. So if you're interested in those, please visit mastermindsworkshops.com. And in the meantime, today, we're really doing Q&A. So this is about um, a simple uh, show, hardly even a show. It's me turning on the camera here in my office in Southern California and giving the benefit of my expertise to a whole bunch of you who wrote in with questions. And we have a bunch of questions today, enough that we're not going to get to all of them for sure, Um, but I would like to have you here uh, participating. Glad that you can join us. And if you'd like to, um, we have a live chat going as well. They're on several different platforms, so if you are out there, Um, on YouTube or, um, like I said, LinkedIn or Facebook, (laughs) some of those places. Uh, That chat will show up live here on the video as well, and I'll try to respond to those as well. And in the meantime, we're going to have a bunch of our different friends uh, show up here and um, ask their questions, and we're going to talk through them together. Um, A quick disclaimer, I do have a law degree uh, from Stanford Law School as well as a bunch of financial certifications, but this is not legal or financial advice that you should uh, rely on. You should consult your own expert advice, advisory uh, consultants and team um, because they will know more than I do and I can't get into the specifics of any specific situation. Um, The last thing I just want to mention is why I do this. Why I do this is because I believe in you, and I haven't even met you, right? This is virtual. Um, There's hundreds of people listening to this all over the world, but entrepreneurs are the people that make positive change in the world, and I'm convinced that uh, together we can actually make some positive change. (laughs) So I do this uh, as a volunteer service to try to get more people on the road to entrepreneurship. It doesn't have to be as hard as it is. If you know the right people, it makes a huge difference. And when I started out, I didn't know anybody. 
Um, and I came from a modest upbringing in the Midwest. And uh, long story short, I, I, I started from the ground up, uh, but with some obvious advantages, right? I'm male. I was born at the right time in the right place. I'm white. I speak uh, fluent English. At least I pretend to speak fluent English. Um, and I got into the inner circles of places by going to places like Stanford for my education. Uh, and I worked my butt off, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of any of that. I paid my way through schools and so, so forth. But it's not, even for me, it wasn't easy. So I'm trying to do this to help others of you uh, who may be on this road, somewhere on this road um, as well, uh, to get onto the, onto the freeway a little faster. Uh, that's why I wrote uh, the, all these books behind me here. Sorry, over here. <laughs> um, those three in the middle are in English. Those are my books. The rest are all foreign translations, so many of you here might be uh, tuning in from other countries. Uh, thanks for being here. Happy to help if I can. Uh, but just the bottom line is my mission is to help you if I can. And uh, if that uh, is useful to you, let's, uh, let's get on with the questions. Okay, so um, checking all my notes here, make sure I don't miss anything. Okay, so we've got a bunch of people in the waiting room here, and we're going to try to, what do we got here? Let's see, I see uh, uh, Christy and Ken and Rob and uh, Nazola and Patty, and okay, well, there was supposed to be a guy named Jay here, and Jay didn't show up yet, so we're going to move on to somebody else. Um, let's see, who would be a good next question? Hopefully, Jay will show up later. Um, by the way, it really does help me if you are RSVP for these things. Please show up. Uh, it's really useful. Okay, so Ken. Ken has been on camera with me before, so we're going to bring Ken in here. And let's see. Ken, I'm going to try to make this work. Let's see. How about that button? Let's see. And then, if Ken, if you want to unmute. I don't see. Yeah, I've done that. Okay, let's try that one. Fancy. Yeah, I can hear you. A little slow today. Come on. Let's see. Well, there you go. And there's Ken. Fresh from San Diego. Hi, Ken. Nice to see you again. Hi. Nice to see you, Scott. Great. So let's talk about your question. You were, um, well, it's about angel investors and how to use their money, I guess, right? Well, let's, let's, yeah. What's your question? Yeah. Well, um, when, when raising money from angel investors, will they typically provide funds to pay software developers who work on building a production-ready initial product version? And if so, what if one or more of the co-founders also worked as developer, employee, CTO, or technical lead? What this question is really asking is, do founders need to have runway funds to pay for their own basic needs, or can they have a job in their own company doing actual creator work? Right, right. Okay, so that's a good question, and one I struggled with personally when I was first time I was a founder. Um, so I, I picked your question because I think it applies to a lot of people. So thanks for sharing it. Um, the answer has changed over the years, and that's why another reason it's a good question, right? Because old advice is different than, than current advice. Um, I think I would say this. Traditionally, you were supposed to do anything you could to bootstrap the company, right? And you weren't allowed to pay yourself anything. Luckily, that has changed. So that's the short answer to your question. You can raise money to do anything that's reasonable. It depends mostly on who the investors are and what you sell to them, right? Um, in, in terms of selling the investment, I mean, the business. Um, so if you, uh, uh, sorry, we got some people coming into the chat room there. Okay, so folks, if you're on YouTube, looks like Sandy's over on YouTube, Talia as well. Um, those should show up in the stream here in a minute. And if you guys want to talk to each other, that's fine, or, or post some questions or follow-ups here to Ken's question. We'll do those as well. Okay, so, so it all depends. It's the art of the deal, right? So what are you offering and what are you giving? The, um, 
standards have changed in the favor of founders. It used to be that you were supposed to demonstrate anything you could, that you were desperate for capital, right, and you would bankrupt yourself. Um, but, but investors are much more reasonable than that these days. There's a lot of deals in the market, and there's a lot more capital, too, looking at early-stage ventures. So these days, I think it's perfectly reasonable to pay yourself something. The question is how much, right? And that's where there's often friction between uh, the investors and the staff because, or the founders, uh, because sometimes people have a certain level of accomplishment or lifestyle that they want to maintain, and they're not ready to cut that in half. So let me give you some real numbers. Um, I have seen, as recently as last week, I was on a call where this came up. I'm a member of Tech Coast Angels, which is a, uh, one of the largest angel investing groups in the United States. And we literally, in a pitch session, uh, questions came up to a founder. Well, what do you guys, you founders on the team, and it was all guys, uh, what are you paying yourselves? And the market rate, I would say, roughly is something like if you could pay yourself up to 10000 a month or even 15000 a month, so a salary of like 120 to 150 probably going to be okay. Um, if you get up close to 200 or more than that, and this happened because the two founders were paying themselves each like I think eleven or 12000 a month, and then they had hired someone else in from the outside, and they were paying him like 20000 a month. So that was exactly that tipping point I was talking about, somewhere around $180,000, $200,000 a year, the investors get leery, right? You're, you're obviously doing more than just covering basic expenses. You're living off our money, right, while you're still right, building right. something. And that's where they get uncomfortable. So, um, so that's what I would look at. Now, all that, of course, is in the context of how much money you're raising, right? If you're raising $100,000, you can't say I'm going to pay myself $150,000, right, because then there's nothing for the company, right? So you, you're a smart guy. You, you figure that out. But that, that's why there's no easy answer to this. But the simple version – oh, sorry, let me get another example. During COVID, a lot of companies cut back quite understandably, right? That was the first question at every due diligence meeting, what is your plan for COVID? Like a year ago right now, it was crazy. Every company was cutting, chopping, everything. And I know of a number of companies where the founders may have been may, making, say, six, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a month uh, from essentially from investor funds, um, but they cut that in half. And so they, and they laid off people too, right? So they often cut their staff in half and cut themselves down to 6000 or even 3000 a month, like really bare bones because they weren't sure they were going to survive at all. And that's the kind of aligned incentive that investors like to see. They like to see that the, the founding team is in the game, um, but if, if, the, if the investors get hurt, they wonder that the founders get hurt too, I guess is, is a summary, right? right? right. Okay. Is, is that helpful? Very helpful. Okay, Very helpful. great. Yeah. All right, well, good. Good. All right, well, that's, that, that's the key, I would say, to a lot of folks here. Um, when you're wondering what investors are thinking, they are generally thinking like you would if you were on the other side of the table, right? They're trying to find a deal that makes sense. They, if they're going to invest in you, they want you to succeed. They just don't want to be cheated, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, if you, if you kind of wear your your com it's more than common sense. There's a fair amount of business expertise here too. But if you combine the business expertise and some common sense and some simple fairness, um, then I, I think you'll get pretty close. And it's hard for anybody to uh, argue if you know if they're being treated fairly. And they want to complain about that. Well, sorry, we're running a business here. You know, it's not personal, right? The Godfather. It's not personal. It's business. <laughs> so, cool. All right. Well, I hope that's helpful. So, all right. Well, Thank you very much. Yeah, nice to see you again. And we'll see, hopefully see you at the next uh, Masterminds workshop, too. You will. Awesome. You will. Okay. So, we've got a couple more folks here. We're going to tune out here from Mr. Ken. And let's see who else we got here. Um, let's see. Thank you, Ken. 
And it looks like we're going in the chat here. Um, let me just check in the chat here, see if there's anything urgent. Um, okay. Uh, let's see, Tayo. Okay. Okay. Those are good. Okay. Guys, we'll get to those if we can. Uh, the format here is that these questions come in in advance. And um, I, that's the way I can print them out and think about them. Uh, and, um, I will, and we have a lot of them today, so I'll do my best. Uh, and if you're going to do that, then you need to come on camera like, uh, like uh, Ken just did uh, so that this isn't just a boring talking head show, okay? So if you want to, um, you know, turn on your camera and submit a question in advance, I'm happy to help you. That's literally why I do this. <laughs> okay. So let's get on to our next one here. Um, Okay, next question. So that was Ken, and that was a good one. I hope that was helpful to you guys. Uh, okay, and Zola. Okay, good. I just saw you turn on your camera there, too. Perfect timing. Nice. There we go. There's Zola. Hey. Hey, Doc. How are, Hi. How are you? Good. Nice to see you. Nice good to see you. Um, all right. So why don't you tell folks what you're asking about today? Uh, yes. So I'm trying to uh, fundraise through crowdfunding. Um, I, my startup is a biotech company. I'm trying to um, further or advance my uh, pancreatic cancer therapies into the market. And I've been trying to, you know, I've tried the SBIRs, I've tried other types of funding, I've tried to procure angel investors or VCs, uh, but I keep being told that I'm too early. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm in the seed funding stage. And since I've been having um, challenges as a, a black um, engineer and scientist and the biotech space um, to fight, find financial support through those means, I decided to try to get help from the community for the crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. um, so what I want to know is I haven't done it before. Um, so how do I set up a marketing strategy campaign? Um, who do I talk to? How do I create a storyline that is convincing? that explains my technology, but at the same time um, convinces people to support the efforts to try to get the, this uh, pancreatic cancer therapy um, to the clinic. Um, I don't know how, how to start. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of issues in there, and um, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and you have an incredible background. I'm always happy to see you with, you know, you're a, she's, she's a medical doctor and an engineer and she's got, I, I don't understand what she's doing, <laughs> but, but it sounds cool. Um, and I, well, actually, you know, I guess that's the challenge, right? It sounds cool, but a lot of people don't understand it. So, um, okay. So there's a lot to unpack there, but um, I think that um, the, the first strike I would, I would take at this would be really to, to dig down and question some of your assumptions. Um, and so I have a couple questions for you. One is, uh, well, let's just start with this. The investors you've been talking to are obviously not the right investors, right? So, and as you know, with these, with, in this broadcast format, I'm trying to give advice that applies to as many people as possible. So if this doesn't hit you particularly, I'm speaking to everybody that's watching, all right? But a lot of times when people say, I can't find investors, it means that they haven't researched enough to find the right investors, right? It's just like you say, you know, I, uh, I'm struggling for a metaphor, but, you know, I, I can't find a, a car, well, or, or I can't find this kind of car. Well, you're looking at all the cars. Right? You need to drill down a little more. So, again, I don't know. Just take this as food for thought. I just want to get it out on the table because, you know, if people go out and they're looking for investors, you know, an easy example. In your case, you've got a biotech sort of product. But if you talk to software investors, of course they're going to say, you know, no. And, and the trick here, here, here's the real insider secret uh, this has got to go in my next book because it comes up all the time. 
investors never really say no. And it's so frustrating. They'll say something else. They'll say like, you're too early or come back when you have this or why don't you have a partner or some, you know, something that is, they just never say no because they're, it's their job to be greedy, right? <laughs> they, they don't want to miss out. If it turns out that they were right, they were wrong on saying no, that, you know, then you don't like them anymore and they missed investing in Facebook or Uber or some big company, right? So it's really hard to get a straight no out of somebody. But actually a no is the biggest blessing an investor can give you because they may be wrong, but um, it's, uh, you know, it's not their job to be friendly. It's their job to find the right deals, right? And, and it's, so it's this hidden agenda that they always have of like keeping you on the hook without being clear. So, okay. So first of all, um, I would broaden your whoever you're looking at. Again, I don't know if this applies to you, Zola, but, but go back. Look at the list you made and try a little harder. You know, I don't know how much time you spent, but spend another 10% or 20% and drill down because you have several really cool things going for you, right? You, the biotech market is huge and doing really well. So that's a growing area. You always want to be in a growing area, right? Um, the other is that you're female. You're a minority. I mean, you, you, there are funds that just do this kind of stuff. Um, and the combination of those three, as you know, is really rare. So, I, gosh, I, you know, I, so I haven't seen your business plan, and I, I, don't, I don't even understand the tech. I'm not even the right guy to look at your business plan because I'm not qualified. Um, but but I, I would look harder um, before you go the crowdfunding route. Um, and here's a great suggestion that came in a private chat. Uh, Patty, why don't you put that in the public chat if you can? Uh, I'm not sure where you're logging in from, but she said uh, – your speaker should look into the fearless fund. So that's, that's one I didn't know about, but thank you for that, Patty. If, if anybody else, yeah, and actually this is a great use for the chat. Anybody that has suggestions for our speakers or commentary, um, please put it in the chat or, um, you know, like you have an article that might be helpful. Um, I'm going to put that in my notes. Uh, okay. Okay. So let's assume you look and you find, um, I don't know, 15 more investors and you pitch those folks and still not a good fit. Okay, so here's the, the problem, one of the assumptions you're making is that investors are there to invest. It seems like they are, they call themselves investors, but investors really only invest based on relationships. So if you find the ones that are close, don't just ask for a check. There's a saying in venture capital, you probably heard this, but uh, ask for money, get advice. Ask for advice, get money. Right. So what you need to do is build relationships with these people. So even if everybody says no, take the 10 or 15 that are the best possibilities, as far as you can tell, even if they say no, as long as it's not a hard no. Right. Because anybody that's in your space is not going to give you a hard no unless they think you're crazy or something. and You're clearly not crazy. Right. So um, find those people and just keep in touch with them anyway. Send them a monthly or quarterly update on what you're doing and build the relationship over time. That long-term building of trust is the way to get investment done. Um, now, all of that is not about your question. You asked about how to build a crowdfunding campaign. And the reason I went this way was because crowdfunding is generally for B2C type products, business to consumer. You know, like I have a cool new Bluetooth speaker or, you know, um, uh, one of the first things I ever invested in crowdfunding, I'm from Detroit. And Detroit, as many of you may know, is uh, the scene of the movie RoboCop, which is like a dystopian, <laughs> yeah, crazy thing. Okay, right. So <laughs> I, when crowdfunding was new, my first ever crowdfunding investment was somebody was going to put up a big bronze statue of RoboCop in one of the parks in Detroit. So I sent him 100 bucks or something, <laughs> right? It's that kind of stuff. Like, like you know, that's, it's fun or fun, funky or, or, or a consumer product. To do a B2B fundraise on crowdfunding, I, 
I have never tried it, but I think it would be really hard um, because you're going to have to make claims that I think would get you into dangerous territory as a medical professional, right? Because the only way you're going to capture people's attention is basically to kind of say, I'm going to cure cancer. And obviously you can't say that, right? So I'm just a little skeptical that crowdfunding is going to work for you without pushing you into a place that would be really dangerous for you uh, from a liability point of view. Um, So all that, it doesn't answer your question, and I apologize. But does that give you some food for thought? (laughs) Yeah, it does, because now I can, you know, I'll I'll go back and look at, you know, the investor option. I'd also try to see what other companies may be in my space that are not B2C in terms of fundraising and look at, you know, liability and make sure that I don't cross, you know, any uh, um, space that is, you know, is uh, counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, and, and you said something really smart there, which I would reiterate to everybody. I'll pull this out from what Enzola said. Looking at other companies in the space, that's the best way to get funded, is to figure out, like people always want to go right to the investor, and that, that makes sense, right? Why wouldn't you? But the other way is to look at companies like yours, or like yours, say, two or five years ago, before they got big and successful, and figure out who invested in them. Right, because if that company, if you can find company A, and company A is kind of like yours, but five years farther along, because they raised, you know, an A round of five million and a B round of fifty million, and now they're worth five hundred million, well, that means they have a whole list of people who invested in them. If you can do some due diligence and figure out who those investors were, well, those investors are very good targets for you, because they've already made such money, so it's good money on something very similar to you. And that is the way, honestly, I would go about fundraising these days. Uh, people kind of want to do like the old uh, phone book approach, you know, like, oh, here's a list of investors. I'm going to email all of them, right? Well, that, that's, of course, that's not going to work. Um, it would be better to work backwards from your goal of investors like this. They're proven to like companies like mine, and they've done well. And then even better, here's the, the killer uh, pro tip, is that if you can find those companies, contact their founders and say, hey, I have a company like you, like yours, um, and, if, and if they do, you probably have something in common also, right? You can say, hey, we both went to this school or we both majored in this or, you know, build a relationship with them because then if they introduce you to their backers, that's how you really get attention, right? Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to cold call a firm and say, hey, you invested in Uber. I've got the new Uber. Well, you know how many of those calls they get? Mm-hmm. It's another to know Travis Kalanick, whatever his name is, the founder of Uber, and have him call the investor and say, hey, Zola's building something like what I've got. You should look at it. You know they're going to take the call, right, or, or respond in email. So that's, that's really the way to do it. All right. So, well, great to see you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah nice to see you again. All right. So that was my friend Zola, Dr. Zola. And um, let's see. What do we go? Uh, um, how do you turn on your camera? Okay, guys, this is, I will turn on the cameras if you're here, but let's see. Um, the cameras are only for people who already sent in their questions and, and we've already printed, printed those out. So I don't think, uh, Sandy or Toya, that you guys, I have those from you. Um, Sam P. said, interested in talking to her. Okay, well, Sam, um, I don't know who you are, but if you have something that could help in Zola, um, I guess you could uh, contact me uh, at scottfox.com or through uh, mastermindsworkshops.com um, or through LinkedIn. Actually, all of you, let's... Uh, want to we can connect on LinkedIn I'm happy to help if I can Um, I don't like LinkedIn messaging (laughs) I get too many of them but if you can contact me via email that's the way I work and I'd be happy to help you uh, if we can okay so who else we got here Um, 
let's see, I was looking at, so that was in Zola. Good stuff. I hope that was helpful to several of you. Um, so Chrissy, okay, so Chrissy, we can um, talk about your thing, but you said you don't want to turn your camera on. I'm sorry, this is a video show. So if you change your mind, let me know. Uh, we can bring you on. But let's talk to um, Rob. Let's see, Rob, is your camera working? I can see you here. There he is. Okay, so this is our friend Rob. Let me just get this going here for a second. There we go. There's Rob. Hey, Rob. Nice to see you. Rob, good to see you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Great. All right. So let's, uh, Rob's an attendee at our Masterminds workshops as well. A lot of these folks are alumni. So just, this is the only commercial I do. This is a non, this is a safe, no-sell space. But if you enjoy these workshops, or if you'd like help like this, this group of people, you want to talk to all of us at once instead of me doing all the talking. It's a great group, and we do it every month. Uh, the next workshops one. Workshops are great. Oh, super. They're great. All right. Well, thanks for that, Rob. Okay, so why don't you uh, let's talk about your question if you've got it in front of you. Yeah, as, a, as an early stage uh, startup and anticipating uh, venture funding, you have to think down the road. And one thing I don't want to do is dilute myself and to really be prepared to uh, properly negotiate uh, investing. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that in planning, uh, we need to have a cap table to understand option shares, uh, shares for the founders and so forth, and then what the equity is going to be for the investors. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of uh, you know, self-made templates and spreadsheets uh, that are available. Also, there's some free uh, apps like uh, CapTable.io, yep. and then there's expensive equity management software. What is your suggestion for an early stage startup what they should use to properly prepare because, you know, the investor is going to want to know what the plans are. Absolutely. Um, and it's a great question. And this is, if I had to pick something, this is probably the number one problem that companies have when they get into due diligence with investors. They haven't really tracked the ownership of the company, uh, especially if they've been around for more than a year or so, and they have several different investors, and they may have had founders come and go, or staff come and go, or maybe some consultants who are given some equity. Um, you can see pretty quickly how complicated that gets, and that's the basis of, of Rob's question. And, and actually, you know what, uh, Christy, I see your question also was, what is a cap sheet used for? So that's cap table. Uh, so let me back up, and this is Christy's question. Uh, capitalization table is what Rob's talking about. So capitalization means the funding of the company, and the table just means spreadsheet. So um, a capitalization table is what I was just referring to. It's what tracks who owns the company, because a company, as we all know, is kind of a fiction, right? It's an idea, really, that uh, has a bunch of uh, people and relationships and, and maybe a building or some equipment or or you know object or two, but it's really an idea. So tracking that is hard. And over time, the equity from the company is split up between all the different constituencies that I just mentioned. There's, there's obviously the founders, investors, employees, consultants. Uh, all those people come and go over time. They generally have a vesting schedule, meaning that the, you don't just own the stock outright. You earn it on a monthly basis over time, usually like four years. So in the early days of a company, you can easily have, uh, you know, say, you know, just a simple case, two founders, uh, say maybe three part-time people who work for them, that's five. Maybe you brought in a contracting company, you know, outsource something. So that's a, an outsource, that's six. Um, and then you have maybe uh, three of your uncles invest the money, uh, that's nine. Um, and then, you know, that's in the first year. And in the second year, you add three more investors, that's 12. And then that's all in the first or second year. Three, four years out, 
as I said, people get sick, people get married, people move, people take new jobs, you know, whatever. People come and go. It creates a complete mess. Um, so that's all the intro. So now we're going to get to Rob's question. What, what, do we, what do I recommend? <laughs> so, so how do you keep track of that stuff? So Rob, you already know the, the primary uh, the alternatives here. And I'm so glad you're asking about this because it's such a, a recurring problem for entrepreneurs. So the first is just track it on spreadsheet. Uh, and this is state of the art and was for 25 years probably since spreadsheets were invented. And you just try to track everybody. Uh, and, and the problem, sorry, I've given a couple times on the, uh, I've explained the time problem. But there's also the, 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 the dilution problem. That's hard to say, the dilution problem. So the founders originally own all the stock. But as additional capital comes in, more stock is issued. So they had 100%, say there's two founders, 50% each, which I would not recommend, but just to keep the math simple. Um, and then, you know, uh, they sell, say, a uh, million dollars worth of stock at, say, a $5 million valuation. That's 20% of the company, roughly. So that dilutes the original founders down, and you just keep issuing stock with every new person who's involved. So there's a few shares for the employees, a few more shares for the contracting company, uh, more shares at a different price for future investors, uh, and they use preferred stock instead of common stock, uh, different voting rights, different liquidation preferences. It just it gets it gets geometric really quickly. So spreadsheets can do it; they're way better than on paper, but they've been outgrown, outclassed by services like two that Rob mentioned. One there's one called Carta, C-A-R-T-A, Carta.com, and they're doing a really good job of this. I'd say they're probably the leader in the space. Um, uh, it's like most things, it's a monthly, uh, there's like a, I think there's a free level, uh, but then there's a monthly uh, charge, of course, the SaaS, whereas the service business, and they'll try to upsell you the more complex that your company gets, but honestly, totally worth it, at least from the investor's point of view. The other one you mentioned is the, uh, what's the one, I, I was going to say it's .io and you said it, what was it? CapTable.io. Yeah, CapTable.io. So that's another one, and they were more free, but they just got bought. Um, by somebody else. So if you go to captable.io, is another company that owns them now, and I'm not, it's not clear what their plan is. You know, are they now going to try to monetize it more or what? But either way, that, those are the two that I know of. So you're, you're on the right road. Um, the other one I have for you is, uh, and I just became aware of this last week, is called capbase, C-A-P-base.com. Uh, at least I think it's .com, it might be .co or .io or one of those newer ones. But anyway, CapBase. And CapBase looks very cool. Um, their pitch, and I say this literally because they pitched me, I'm, I might invest in the company. Um, they are trying to stitch together all the other pieces. So their claim is that even as good as Carta is, and as far as I know, Carta is the leader in this space, that even Carta only does a part of the equation and they have successfully solved the rest of the, the other pieces. So uh, I haven't used it, uh, but I'm intrigued uh, myself. So Capspace is another one I would look at. And um, they're, early, they're very early stage. Um, and you could do, uh, you could do worse than, than looking over there. Um, so there's, three, four, at least one new one. And actually, my friend Philip's in the chat. Oh, hey, Phil. Um, makes a good stuff. Uh, he said good stuff. Um, thank you. Uh, but his comment is many legal firms will provide term sheet management to their clients for free. And that's a great point. Uh, a good law mm -hmm. firm will do this. These days, they're probably outsourcing it to Carta or somebody like these other ones anyway, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're paying a law firm a, a good chunk of money, uh, that might just get rolled into their service. So that's not a bad way to go at all. Um, those are all um, suggestions that uh, might be useful for you. At least I hope so. Okay. Helpful? Yeah. Thank you. Very helpful. Okay, I good. I really do appreciate it. At least 
on the right road. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, that's right. You did the research. You, you got most of them. And this cap base is very intriguing to me. They look, they're trying to take the APIs from all the different pieces so that you kind of sign the documents once, like with DocuSign or um, all the other tools. They're, as you know, there are tools for each of these pieces, and they're trying to be the one that takes APIs from all of them, and you do it once, and then it blah, 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 the software does the rest. So if they can do that, that would be really valuable to all of us in this ecosystem. So, sure would. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, nice to see you again. You're welcome. Appreciate it. You bet. My, my pleasure. All right. So that was our friend Rob. And who else do we have here? It looks like, uh, so then, uh, what time is it? Oh, we're cruising right through these. This is great. So maybe we will get to some of the ones in the, in the chat room. Um, sorry, let me review the chat here. It looks like, oh, Patty, you've got your camera on. I didn't print your question, but uh, just wave at me or put something in the chat. If you remind me what your question was, and if you'd like to come on camera, we can do yours as well. Uh, let me just look through the chat here, guys. Let's see if I miss anything. Um, Okay, so, all right, looks like I can't see them all because um, it's kind of real time sort of thing. Um, okay, Sandy, looks like you're happy to help in Zola, so I can put the two of you together. That would be pretty easy if anybody wants. Um, okay, hello, Philip. Hello, Brandon. Hello, Sandy. Hi, Sam. Uh, Toya, a bunch of you there, and nice to see you all. Um, Okay. Okay. Yes, Patty. Right. I remember that question. All right. Let's bring Patty on camera. And if others of you have questions, uh, go ahead and put them in the chat room. You'll probably need to reiterate them because the, uh, the uh, chat's like sliding off my screen, right? So I can't, I can't uh, dig into it very closely without uh, turning off the camera. So, uh, all right. So now we're going to talk to Patty. Let's see. Here we go. And here's Patty. Hello, Patty. Hi. Hi. I can hear you. Yes. Nice to meet you with the audio and the video. So it's nice to be here. It's super useful. Uh, I appreciate uh, all the info. So um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a, of a startup. Uh, it's B2B as well for pharmacies and consulting for drug procurement. Uh, we've been okay. having conversations with funds. They're engaged, diligent. Now, how do you move them to close? Uh, <laughs> get the check. That's right. How do you get the check? I, I remember my, my first startup, I had lots of those conversations, and my phrase, uh, it's a seven-word phrase, and I said this so many times, my whole team got really tired of hearing it. Every meeting we had went great, because you know, VCs will never say no. Were you here earlier when I was talking about that? They never say no, so you're suffering through that, right? Yeah, so my phrase was, don't mean shit until the check clears. <laughs> yeah, right. That's like I, I'm going to make T-shirts with that, right? Lots of talk, lots and lots of talk. So, okay, so we've already covered the point that it's a great question, um, and everybody, there's no easy answer, right? You, you're obviously pretty sharp if you've already started this startup and gotten that far. But some tips, um, when I was a corporate guy, my expertise was business development, so closing deals is something that I have some background in. Um, so uh, let's see, let's think about this for a second. So B2B, pharmacy, closing deals. So what stage are you at? Did you say that? I'm sorry if I missed it. I'm, I'm raising a million in pre-seed. A million pre-seed. Okay. So have you, is there any money in the company already? Yes. Okay. Yours or other people? or? some angels, some other people and ours. We bootstrap for as much as humanly possible. Okay. And then we some, um, some capital from, um, from some angels. We do have some commitments to our rounds. Um, and now we just need to move everyone to a close so we can 
Because it doesn't mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> check clears, yeah, exactly. These days it's not a check, it's a wire, but, but yeah, same idea, right? Um, okay, so um, so you have a bunch interested, so what you really need, it sounds like, is a lead, somebody to step into the, jump into the pool first, is that? Yes, and we do have a commitment that they need friends and they need validation. Right, exactly. Okay, yeah, I've been there. That sucks. <laughs> okay, all right, so, um, so do you have any revenue yet? Just started. Uh, we, we just posted our first transaction two weeks ago. Okay, great. And is that a, a large? Uh, you don't need. This is public, right? So you don't need to be too confidential about it. But are we talking? Is that like a five dollar transaction or a five million dollar transaction? No, uh, between five and five million. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a small amount. Okay, so it doesn't it doesn't prove the whole model. It's just kind of like the first time someone's bit. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm just trying to get the data points here to figure out how to position yourself. Okay. And are the investors local or geographically based, or is this a, a wider field? They're a wider field. Okay. As is everything these days, right? Yeah. Um, okay. But the United States. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the first question I'd have, oh, how about valuation? Five million. Okay. Five million. Okay. So the first point, it's not a question. I've asked a bunch of questions. The first point I would make is that sounds like a lot of money um, for a company that has only just touched revenue. Um, are you talking to VCs or are you talking to angels? VCs. Okay. Well, these days VCs have that kind of money. Have you done enough research to validate? So, okay, what I'm doing here is you can see already I'm questioning your assumptions, right? Because um, a lot of times the, the problem isn't that there is an interest. It's that you're asking the wrong question or talking to the wrong people or some combination of both, right? So have, have are these people that you're talking to, the VCs, do they do million dollar checks at five million dollar valuations? Is this, that's kind of their, so you've qualified that part. Okay, good. Um, okay. And this, is this software or is this a kind of a fulfillment? You said pharmacy, like what part of pharmacy? It's software solution. It is software. So some sort of um, uh, cloud-based uh, pharmacy management desktop or something like that? It's a SaaS platform. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay. Okay, so the first thing, and how much money did you raise from the angels? You were a little vague about that. Uh, we raised under six figures. Okay. Okay. And how long have you been at this? A four year. Okay, so not two. Okay. Okay, sorry. It's a lot of data points. I'm trying to give you the best answer. Um, no, you're welcome. Um, um, okay, so... What I would say is that a million dollars at five million pre sounds like too much, um, just frankly. Um, if you don't have more validation from the angels, are any of the any of the angels experienced either in the pharmaceutical pharmacy area or the software area, or are these more like friends and family? Some are, and some are just friends and family. Okay, so if that's the case, I'm just doing the math. You said the angel investors did less than a hundred thousand, and some of them are qualified, and some are not. So maybe you got 25 or 50 grand from somebody who might impress an investor. That doesn't sound like enough to me with one transaction to raise a million dollars, quite honestly. Um, these days there's lots of money in the market and I'd be happy to be wrong, but I think you probably have an easier time of it if you look for an angel round of say 250 or 500 uh, from people, especially if you could find people that had some board level expertise, you know, that were pharmacists or or SaaS founders, or, or ideally both, um, 
so that you would, could then go to the VCs and say, look, we've got these people who really know this stuff and, and they're in already. Um, is, have you considered that or is that helpful feedback? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's an avenue that we are exploring just to, to get capital infusion. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I'm biased admittedly because I am an angel rather than a VC. Um, VCs these days tend to move pretty quickly. If they're not jumping in, then they're probably not jumping in. They're waiting, right? So um, angels are the ones, you're, you're right at that point. You know, a couple hundred grand in a company that's just come to market, it's less than a year old, um, that is in a good space like SaaS and uh, medical healthcare stuff. I mean, you've got all the hallmarks that angels would probably be invested, that would be interested in investing in. Where are you based geographically? County. Oh, you're here. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's easy then. So you should come talk to Tech Coast Angels. I mean, I can't promise anything, but um, that's the kind of stuff that we do. Um, and, you know, every round struggles for a lead. So I didn't really answer your question. I did the same thing that I did to Nanzola, which I know is infuriating, but, you know, I, I'm redirecting you. Um, you know, if they're not jumping in, I don't have any magic cure for you, right, uh, except to find an investor who validates the thing, right? If you could find the former CEO of XYZ company that fits in your space and says, this lady or this guy wrote us a $250,000 check, the VCs are going to go, wow, right? But the odds of that happening are pretty small. I presume you've shaken as many of those trees as you can. Um, particularly if you're here in Orange County, there's a lot of med tech and healthcare and biotech and people that would have real informed opinions about uh, pharmacy stuff. In fact, I can even, I just thought of a guy I know who runs an angel group of pharmacists uh, that I could introduce you to. Um, so there. <laughs> um, and he's here. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a year probably because of COVID, but um, anyway, we could, we could connect on that offline. Um, but for any of you who are thinking, I, I think you're a little bit, my two cents, right? Get worth what you paid for it, which is nothing. You're, you're falling into the media trap thinking that everybody can raise a million dollars these days. And it's just not that easy. I mean, if you can, awesome. And I don't know how long you've been, more than, I don't know, five or six months. You should be spending your time building your product uh, and generating more revenues because that will get the people off the edge of, in, in into the pool, right? Rather than it's really easy as a CEO to spend your time and, and frankly, your enthusiasm trying to raise money when you're really not ready yet. Um, and the thing that will convince everybody is if you have revenue graphs that go straight up, right? That, that's way more convincing than all the meetings you can take where people kind of say you're not ready yet or, you know, we'll keep in touch and blah, 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 you know, which is not really a no, but kind of is a no. Um, so I would, I would think about those things. I would refocus either on the, uh, uh, on the revenue generation, um, finding a specific board member who might be an investor, uh, and thinking about restructuring your ask towards an angel round because a million dollar uh, round, it, it's, it's, it's a weird place. It's too big for angels and too small for most VCs. You, you'd probably be better off raising like, you know, 300 and hopefully it gets oversubscribed and you raise 400, right? And then you can have a great story. We were oversubscribed on our first round. And the real point of that also is all the relationships you make. It sounds like a pain to raise angel money. This is for everybody, if you're, if those of you, all of you still listening. One of the points of angel investors, just like law firms, right? They may be a lot of work or in the case of angels because you have to talk to a lot of people or a law firm, they're expensive. But these people, they do this all the time. So one good angel investor or one good lawyer, they know dozens and dozens of people. We do this all the time, right? So 
building those relationships is a much better use of your time than trying to rifle shot with one VC at a time who is just going to, you're going to be in a pile of business plans and they're just like the average time a VC looks at a deck these days, I think is down to three and a half minutes, right? That's your life in three and a half minutes. That's not fair to you, right? You need to invest more time in building relationships and angel groups are a great way to do that because the way angel groups work is we have a screening committee that looks at the deck and interviews you, and then you come and present to a larger group. And these larger groups are generally 20, 30, sometimes 50 or 60 accredited investors. And in a room of 60 people, there's probably going to be somebody that's at least half interested or knows somebody, and odds are there's 10 of them, right? And so that process alone, even if it doesn't directly lead to a check, can triple your your outreach ability and really benefit you a lot uh, and um, maybe lead to the VC money anyway, right? So, okay. How's that? Thank you. All right. Well, great. Well, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, reach out and we'll see if we can uh, connect here in Orange County. Let's see if we can hook you up. Great. Nice to meet you, Patty. Thanks for joining us. So that is Patty. And uh, okay, so we're nearing the end of the show here. I'm, let's see if anybody else is in the chat room. If you have a question you want to put in the chat room, go ahead. Um, by the way, if, uh, if you're enjoying the show, I would love your help promoting it. Um, this is a, you know, it's free. <laughs> I do it because I want to help you. And um, I don't spend any time really marketing it. We send out a couple emails. So if you have a chance and you want to share it um, online or if you're listening to the podcast version and you could post a review on iTunes or um, when you see us post a replay on LinkedIn or something, if you could like it or post a comment, you know, all that kind of stuff really helps uh, and it allows us to help more people. Uh, I do this because I'm trying to help more people uh, participate in the information economy and, and, and succeed at it. Uh, and um, I could use your help. That's all there is to it. So if you have a minute, uh, like and thumbs up and share, that would be really super and much appreciated. Uh, and uh, we also did these workshops, uh, this banner behind me. There's the URL. The next, this is monthly, the Masterminds Workshops. This is a group of people like you just met. We all get together and talk. I moderate. Uh, great networking. Uh, we often have investors with us as well, uh, in addition to myself and um, some sponsors who are very interesting. It's a great place to be. And we do these online. So there are people from all over the world. So if you want to meet people, you know, other entrepreneurs uh, from Sydney or Paris or Philly, you know, come and join us. We'd be happy to have you. All right, let me check back to the chat and see what we got here. Um, Toya wants to talk about market size and market share that covers multiple areas. Okay. Uh, I'm, I guess we could talk about that, Tony. That's not really a question, though, what, as well as find out where you get help with business plan help. Well, that's a little easier one. Um, let's see. So uh, let me talk about business plan help here for a second. And if you want to um, elaborate on market size and market share that covers multiple areas, if you want to be more specific about that, I, I will try to give you an answer there. Um, uh, so just be more specific there. Okay, so let's talk where to get help with business plans. So business plans are, um, well, let's start with the, the headline is business plans are outdated. Nobody writes business plans anymore. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but the world moves faster. Uh, when I was a first-time entrepreneur, uh, my major job was, I thought, was writing a business plan over and over and over again. And in fact, I think I still have that. Hold on, look at this. Uh, yes, this is what a business plan looked like in the 90s. It looked like this. This is, look at all these graphs and calculations and plans and diagrams and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and this is uh, how many pages? I can't even tell. Something like 50 pages. 
and I spent years rewriting this because I thought a business plan was the key. And it turns out the business plan doesn't matter at all. What matters is the business model. And even more so that you make some damn money, right? So money is what investors are interested in. They're not interested in your idea. They're not interested in the good you can do for the world, unfortunately. Their job is to make money. They have a fiduciary obligation to make money for the people that invested in them. Most investors at venture capital firms, they're not investing their own money. They're investing money that other people gave them, and those other people tend to be uh, insurance companies, foundations, uh, endowments, private pension funds. So they are dedicated to making money. So your business plan doesn't matter uh, unless it shows that you're going to make money, and even more so these days, um, people don't use all that writing and text at all. They use an investor deck, which is a five to 15 page, pages of slides that simply and clearly uh, point out the problem you're solving, the solution you offer, and who's going to pay for it, right? Um, that's what people want to know about. Um, the rest, unfortunately, as good-hearted and altruistic as you may be, doesn't really matter, unfortunately. And believe me, I, I'm as charitable-minded as anybody you'll meet, I think. Um, but that's not the game. The game is business. So, um, so okay, that's my, enough of my speech there. Um, so where do you get help with that? Well, first of all, uh, to reorient your question, uh, don't look for a business plan. Look for uh, an investor pitch deck. Investor pitch decks are a very different format. Uh, you can Google that. There's a million templates online. Um, it's, like I said, it's generally five to 15 pages that outline who you are, what you're doing, why it matters, and how it's going to make money. Um, if you put those things together, um, that's what investors want to see because it's just, frankly, it's much easier for them to flip through. You may later need an investor, uh, a business plan to, you know, elaborate on the points, but that's not the first strike anymore these days. And many, many deals get done just based on an investor deck uh, and some accompanying financials uh, and then a lot of conversations and due diligence, right? Uh, so I would start with that. Uh, literally, Google is your friend. There are thousands of articles about this. Um, if you want a specific place to look, um, actually, this is a pretty good resource. Here in Orange County, California, I run something called the OC Startup Council. So if you go to ocstartupcouncil.org, ocstartupcouncil.org, um, there, it's a, there's a, a blog there, and there's a section of the blog on the categories is resources. And you click on that tag, and you'll get all kinds of articles that we have uh, linked to from all across the web, and many of them are about investor pitch decks. That's a place to go. Other than that, it, there are usually, I don't know where you live, but depending on uh, what city you might be in, there are organizations like the Small Business Development Corporation, uh, the Small Business Administration, uh, SCORE, which is the Service Corps of Retired Executives, uh, maybe your local chamber of commerce, your local university these days. Most of them have an incubator or some sort of entrepreneurship program. Um, or even more simply, go to Meetup. Meetup.com has meetups of all kinds of people including uh, me and the groups that I run, like the Masterminds Workshops, um, and lots of people that you can meet who can help you with this. And um, that, there's lots of information on that. Okay, so um, let's see here. I'm looking back at the chat questions. Uh, if your business covers multiple areas, do you just talk about the main area it covers in the market? Uh, okay, so if your business covers multiple areas, do you mean geographical areas or do you mean uh, business line areas? That's not clear to me. Sorry, you're still not being specific enough to, for me to really answer very well. Uh, but I guess the answer either way is that um, you include whatever makes sense. And this goes kind of back to what I said with, uh, with Ken earlier. Um, 
investors are, it's easy when you don't have any money to think that investors are, are a different kind of human. And I used to feel this way, right? Because I didn't have any money. And, and you, you think that they're, you're not sure what they're looking for, right? And you want to do it right. Um, but the fact is they're just people, right? So they want to see what makes sense. So if your business, if it makes sense for your business, let's talk about geography for a second. So say you're based in Baltimore, um, Maryland, in the United States, and you, uh, you think your business can also reach down to D.C., uh, then include that in your plan and your projections, right? Assuming it's cost-effective for you to expand that way. You know, don't make stuff up. Say, we're going to be in Baltimore, and then we're going to go national, you know, uh, and take every city in the country and be a billion-dollar company when we only raise $2 million, right? That's not going to happen generally, right? That's magic. Um, and this is not a magic show. Um, so uh, you just got to be realistic. And it's the same if you weren't talking geography, if you were talking about um, – about business line areas, like uh, say you do software um, like Patty there, she's in the pharmacy space, uh, but they want to go adjacent and get into, say, I don't know, the dental space for, for dentists, right? Um, so, you know, if you want to do both of those, well, if it makes sense and you can explain why it makes sense, then sure. But otherwise, in both cases, uh, generally investors would like to see you do what they call land and expand, which is uh, you find an area and you get really good at it, uh, and you make some money from that area and prove your model first, prove the model by revenue, actual sales, from the core area, and then you use the learnings and the revenue from that to grow uh, either geographically over to Baltimore, right, or uh, into a horizontal or into another vertical market, like from pharmacy into dental, right, um, unless you have some competitive advantage, right? Like, I don't know, you were, you, the founder, were 25 years uh, in, uh, you spent t 10 years in pharmacy and then 10 years in dental, and now you started this company and you know them both really well, and for whatever reason your product serves them both, then fine, right? But if they're separate, I guess the bottom line is it depends on where your resources are going to go, because that's what investors are looking at. You have a limited amount of resources, which includes the money that, that we gave you, right? So what are you going to do with those? We don't want to see you spreading it too thin, uh, and we want you to use it to make some money. Most investments these days is, is um, really to help people make a business accelerate. Uh, they talk about throwing gasoline on the flames to make the flames higher, but you have to start the fire yourself, right? The days when people invested just in ideas are kind of past. The um, investment is really um, tends to be after a company has what the, they call traction, which means you have some sales, you have some customers, you have some people paying, and it shows, okay, this business model works, and if we gave her an extra million bucks, oh, look, that's interesting because then this year they made $50,000, but if we gave them a million dollars, they could make $500,000. Okay, that's the kind of equation that investors are looking for. Uh, and however makes sense for your business to tell that story is up to you. Uh, and that's the challenge <laughs> and the opportunity for you as a founder. Okay, so I uh, hope that's helpful. This has uh, a lot of questions there. Um, the... Uh, let me see what else we got to say here. I think we're about out of time. It's been an excellent hour. If you'd like to hear more about this kind of stuff, please head over to mastermindsworkshops.com. Get on the mailing list. Um, we do these, like I've said three times now, we do these workshops regularly. I'm here to try to help. Um, I don't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff because I just get so much inbound, as you might imagine. But if you go to scottfox.com, there is a page, Work With Scott, and there's a bunch of ways uh, to do that if you want. Um, 
and uh, same thing with investment decks. I don't look at them directly, but I invest through, I'm part, uh, a partner in several different uh, venture funds and um, like Tech Coast Angels and other folks. So I would route you over to them if you want me to look at it personally. I'm sorry, I just don't have enough time to do it individually, but that's why I do this. So I can reach a lot of you and hopefully help a lot of you at the same time, like with my books. <laughs> so, okay. So I hope that was helpful to you. Um, no sales pitches, just a small request that if you enjoyed this, please follow on YouTube. Please uh, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're looking over on LinkedIn. If you could press uh, follow, that would be great. Help us get the message out that there is room in the pool for everybody, including you as a successful startup founder. There is a lot of money being made. It's crazy. Um, and I'd like to help more of you, a more diverse population, get access to that capital so that we can all make the world a better place. So there you go. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Thank you for being with me today. I'm Scott Fox. This has been another episode of Masterminds Startup Fundraising Office Hours, and I hope that you have a great day and all the best with you and your startup ideas. See you again next time, I hope. Oh, by the way, yeah, these are every month. So uh, sorry, that was the last thing next Tuesday. It's the second Tuesday. Or, no, the fourth Tuesday, fourth Tuesday of the month, and we'll be back later next month. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.